Tip Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor podcast. I'm feeling pretty chipper tonight. It's Saturday night. We've just won our first game of the season. I've got John and Jack with me. How are we doing, chaps? John, how, how are you after yet another appearance on Radio Oxford? You're quite the celebrity these days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think it will wear off quickly. Um, I'm just still buzzing from that. It's just, um, it's just good, to, especially on a Saturday evening as well. But I think the uh, adrenaline will wear off soon and we'll just slump in the middle of this Oxford chat. Nice. Do you reckon you'll get a Christmas card from Steve Kinnebra? When Christmas comes around, I think you've got to do a lot to get on the big man's Christmas card. But hopefully today we exchange a few nods at the odd, yeah, the, odd, yeah. the, odd the odd moment. So hopefully that was enough to uh, warm warm the uh, warm the man up. It, do, it is starting to feel like more of a pod that show because you're kind of just chatting away between between you now. I think, which is nice. Yeah, Rob, um, Robin's always encouraging us just to sort of dive in and jump in and get into it. So yeah, no, it's good fun. Excellent. And Jack, how are you doing? You've been watching some local football, haven't you? Yeah, so I went to watch some uh, Northern Premier League action, Mickleover against Morpeth, that was quite entertaining. Oh, uh, spicy. Three goals, two missed penalties, few uh, dirty tackles. So yeah, and uh, it made better by having my phone buzzing in the pocket with the Oxford goals going in. So good day all round. Excellent. Were you, you were kind of listening into the game whilst watching another game. Was yeah, that that's confusing right. Or, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was at times, yeah, because when you could hear like Jerome and Co getting excited, yet the ball was kind of in the field behind the goal from what I was watching. It was a bit different, but no. Good. <laughs> did, you, did, did you do any sort of comedy get-ins as somebody on the pitch had like knee drop someone in the face? Yeah. <laughs> a throw-in. <laughs> no, no I, was, I was quite contained, um, quite contained this afternoon. Nice. Um, right. Well, we haven't done a pod since um, since when? I don't even know. Since the Lincoln game, I guess. The Lincoln game. Yeah. And um, so we'll probably reference Sunderland as part of this as we're going through it, but we don't need to talk too much about that. Um, an eventful start to the day with the team and getting on the bus, John. Have you seen this story? It's pretty pretty funny. I've not seen how uh, high it's um, reached onto the national news agenda. Um, until now, um, yeah. I know. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Stelling's been talk was talking about it on Soccer Saturday. I just had a video sent to me from a Leeds fan at work. Um, it's amazing. I, I described it as um, very jolly boys outing, a la fo- only fools and horses earlier, and um, it just sounded like it was be at least they were at the hotel. You know, if they'd been in Oxford, like traveling up, then that would have been yeah. it. Would have been a big issue. That it, you know, it sounded like they were able to make a bit of a laugh and joke about it. Really. What was it again? Like the just they sprayed the bus with like alcoholic disinfectant stuff to sterilize the things. It got into the system and then like the system that the driver has to blow into to confirm he's not drink driving. And then yeah. the bus that, stops yeah. for six hours. <laughs> yeah, essentially because it was seventy percent. I think it made it look like he'd been on an all night bender. Um, yeah. And then yeah, the bus just like immobilizes itself and couldn't go anywhere. It's fantastic. Maybe it was the bus driver who was who was on a bender and had two hours sleep and was smashed, and he just came up with that elaborate excuse: "Oh, the bus doesn't work for six hours." Or he'd, who knows? Or he'd forgotten the handbrake. <laughs> yeah, either or. Um, so anyway, the players managed to get to the stadium. John, when you saw the the lineup, I think we we're both quite surprised. You had Aji starting, and obviously you had a say starting uh, at Sunderland. So player, different players are getting an opportunity. And then 
was Robbie Hall starting on the right of the front three the biggest kind of surprise? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it was good to see Adji starting. I think everyone's been generally thinking that was worth a go. It's notable that McGuane was nowhere near the starting lineup, it, it felt. Yeah. Um, Cooper, you know, you could argue that he would have been worthy of a start, but then Hall did well against Watford, so probably earned it. Um, and yeah, the formation was back to the 4-3-3, which made sense given all the injuries that, you know, the diamond did work at times against Sunderland, but I think this felt like the right way to go. Jack, do you reckon with McGuane, I know we've talked about it on prior pods, but looked amazing in pre-season. When he did look amazing, everyone said in commentary and stuff, don't get too excited about players in pre-season, referencing Jamie Guy and other players like that. But it's it's going to be interesting, especially after the performance of kind of going on to the game, but the midfield three today, you know, he's he's going to struggle to get to get back into that team at this rate, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's probably going to struggle from the kind of young lad first loan type issue as well. Although he's not kind of your 18-year-old, it is his first proper loan anywhere. Um, yeah. And we've seen a few players over the last few seasons come to us and not do that well and then go elsewhere and do really well. So um, but it does say a lot for kind of Ford to start over him in central midfield, considering McGuane is a central midfielder. So he's got yeah. a bit of um, kind of maturing to do to get into the squad and prove he can start week in, week out. Yeah, he looks like he's got that potential in the bag and that the skills to pay the bills, as they say. But um, Ford had a really good game and run out in that position against Watford, I want to say. It was definitely one of the cup games anyway, but that's probably why he worked his way into the team there. I think the, the situation as well, the sort of um, the ground being a sort of tight, not non-league ground, but, you, but that sort of smaller ground, like pitch wasn't the best, it seemed to me anyway. Um, but Ford just was making all the right decisions and everything from weight of pass to decision. He, he just, like, I think he's kind of top three in the team sheet now moving on. Provides, yeah. provides a good balance. He's, you know, he's seven out of 10 and more every game, that sort of thing. I think he's underrated. You did say, you said that on the Radio Oxford thing, didn't you? You said it was criminal, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Criminally underrated. You always ramp, but it's, ramp it up for the radio and then calm it down for the uh, you know, in-depth <laughs> analysis. The Saturday night podcast. Uh, it, it is weird with him, though. Like, I don't think any of us would have said at the beginning of the season that we'd be ramming Anthony Ford into our starting eleven, or that even he'd be fluttering, fluttering around it, considering the the kind of the squad that we'd assembled. But it is an interesting one, and fair fair play to the guy. Um, other kind of team news type stuff, I guess. Um, Long continued at left back. Ruffles is still out. It looked like we might be rushing him back, but that didn't um, come about. Claire was still at right back after quite a challenging game against Sunderland where he came into a lot of stick. I think it's fair to say, Jack, isn't it? Yeah, and in midweek it was said he was an injury doubt as well. So the fact that he played um, probably shows the lack of options we've got. Um, but if he can, I think the thing with Sean Clare is because the Scottish League got binned off so early, he's kind of playing his way back into match fitness a lot more than a number of our squad because obviously we were still playing in July. So he will need three, four games to kind of get up to sharpness. So he will always be the easy target, I think, in the early part of the season for criticism. Yeah, I, I think, John, is it fair to say that he just 
seemed to lack confidence and belief in that Sunderland game. So it was important that he had a relatively tight match today and showed us because we all know that he's got that pace and he can carry the ball well. So we saw a little bit of that today. Um, but as Jack said, it still felt like he there's more to come from him. Yeah, I think he just lost complete confidence in that that Sunderland game and was up against a team that was probably playing on the fact that he was relatively inexperienced in this in this league. I mean, he started reasonably brightly in this game, nice sort of surge down the right wing. And I think we both said as we watched the game, that's the kind of thing we're looking for from from Clare. But then, you know, I thought throughout the game he just kind of got a bit weaker and weaker. And um I think he's 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 got that sort of language style about his his body yeah. body language as well, which sometimes doesn't help. But he, I felt he was out of position quite a few times, and then wasn't tearing back. He was just sort of jogging back, and that's never a good sign, really. But no, there's plenty. The, bo- the body language definitely was a thing, and you could even hear. You know, when he's he's one of those fullbacks that we we brought in because we want to get him up the pitch. And Kr said a week or two ago that he was the one player he was most excited about if he had to name a player. Maybe that's to boost his morale more than anything but you could hear kr on the touchline today couldn't you in the yeah in the, yeah over the commentary going get up the pitch get up the pitch carry the ball and on those on some of those occasions he was turning back and finding a pass um you know it, it's interesting that's what kr will be expecting of him and what i guess we as fans will be expecting of him going forward so interesting to see how that plays out um there was a few players in for covid tests on thursday i think if you got the players get the sniffles um then they're getting tested. So Brannigan, Long, Moore, Sykes. I think Nathan um, Cooper was suggesting after the game, um, referencing back that on Friday, our back four may have looked very, very different in terms of what we were planning to put out. And luckily it kind of, players came through and it wasn't too dissimilar to what we'd seen earlier on in the season. Um, John, you were just on this, John, you were talking quite a lot on the on the radio about the testing and stuff. Mr. Kinnebrough was making a load of good points on it, wasn't he? Yeah, I think it, it's just in a very strange place where it just seems a bizarre standard for testing to not be carried out at a mandatory level and that there should be within the game a good mechanism to fund that. And it, it shouldn't be that League One and League Two have got sort of second status compared to the to the Championship and, and the Premier League. And Jack, yeah. you, made a, you made a point earlier during the day that, that if they don't get a, a good system and a regular system in place, you're going to have the Grimsby-Stevenage dilemma happening all the time and games getting postponed and the Leighton Orient situation times 10 on regular occasions. So it seems like a very one that's being handled with cost, with money more in mind than actual health and, and getting a routine season underway. And I'm not sure the EFL have particularly handled it that well. No one seems to be prepared to, to foot the bill for it unless they absolutely have to. Yeah. Jack, what was the comparison you had earlier between, was it Stevenage was one example and I forget the other? Yeah, so Stevenage and Grimsby both called their games off today. Um, No, sorry, Stevenage didn't call their game off because they've been having regular testing. So three of their squads were positive, but they knew the rest were negative. So they could get rid of those three, essentially. Everyone else was fine. They tested negative. So their game went ahead. Yeah. Whereas Grimsby aren't testing regularly, they just had some symptoms, so tested, had one positive test, which meant they all had to self-isolate, so their game was off. And it just shows yeah. the, you know, the 
<clears throat> the the different things that are going on at different clubs. And going back to the Leighton Orient point as well, I mean, they only found 17 cases because Spurs offered to pay for their tests ahead of that cup game. Yeah, That, that could have been, you know, a, a not a very good situation for football continuing if that had got out of hand. It would have been That's a super, super spreader through the entire industry, <laughs> potentially, or certainly for two leagues of it. Um, 17. Unbelievable. But their the Leighton Orient's attitude seemed so nonchalant. It seemed the chairman was like, well, if we absolutely have to test, we'll do it. But, you know, it's not Sunday league football where it's like, look, the best we can do is if you feel rough, don't play. <laughs> this is professional football. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that we need some consistency and approach, and that funding needs to needs to come in at some point in time to support with that. You imagine. Um, anyway, back onto the football. We started pretty well, like straight away. Rob Hall, you could see his intention. Um, he was he was carrying the ball well on the right. We ended up hitting the bar. Aji, um, we nearly scored from a corner. Unbelievable. <laughs> Not this again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually nearly scored from a corner again because Atkinson had a really decent like volleyed effort from deep from a Rob Hall corner that was kind of cleared off the line. We it, it was a promising start, John, wasn't it? It was just nice to be reacting in like a normal kind of like ooh ah chances like you know, <laughs> yeah. just that sort of. I know it was obviously a win and we're all very happy, but even that little stuff that hasn't happened in the last two games, it was just sort of nice to see. You know, it was an open, expansive game of football from both teams, and you just sort of knew that we might concede, but we probably would score and you'd get stuff like that. Um, but it was good momentum, really, not sort of... We were playing our way into the game. I mean, I don't think we were particularly fluid that that early on, but it was certainly um, better than what we'd seen before. Yeah. And when Robbie Hall... Um, it was kind of like a challenge where he, he kind of managed to make a through ball through to, to Matty Taylor... Taylor's like bearing down on goal. Keeper's coming out. Taylor tries to lob him, but just kind of nicely passed it to him. Um, and at that point, I'm kind of thinking, right, with three games in now, Matty Taylor seems to be this isolated figure um, up the pitch. And to be honest, the way I, I know we're kind of going on a bit and we did get a goal just before half time, but it, it felt to me like through a large part of this game, Matty Taylor was so far away from the rest of the team and most of our play John was was more just the kind of skipping out midfield and just punting the ball towards him and Accrington had what five players over six foot two and one of them was always on his back I think Taylor must have won one or two of those balls albeit his hold-up play was pretty good when it was played into his feet but I, I started to feel for the guy in that you know he might it might be a few more games yet until he gets off the mark, but yeah, is it kind of has it masked over? You know, he's got those goals when they were down to ten men, but is it kind of masked over a problem that we've got? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. I mean, if we if you think about where the game was, the analysis you'd be doing for a game after seventy minutes when it was one all, all these things would be front row and center. Um, the goals, as you say, do gloss over it slightly. Um, it just felt in the midfield at times the the partnership type of the sort of players sinking into different positions type stuff that Sunderland, for example, were doing really well and looked very drilled within their system still wasn't happening. Although there was plenty more positives, like Liam Kelly had his head up, was looking forward, making things happen. Henry was still looking a bit rusty in places in that first half as well. And yeah, we kind of ended up going quite sort of direct and um, 
just not sort of using the ball as well as we could do. Um, yeah. And as you say, Accrington, big team, um, very League Two feel to them, <laughs> if, if if I'm honest. But um, yeah, certainly not. It's got. We've got to get. If we're going to play in this this system, we've got to get players up up and close to Matt Taylor so we can lay the ball off to, and then then try and spring in behind or, or get to that back post, front post type stuff. Yeah, and Jack, just going back to Sunderland, that that game we were. We, did, we didn't look ourselves, even though we had kind of the core of the team from last season still there, in that possession wasn't great. When we had possession, a lot of the ball was just flying up the pitch. Um, we weren't playing through the lines. And where are you at with all of that? Do you think it's something that we need to address? Are you confident that it, will, it just takes time to embed a few more players into the team? Yeah, it's it's a strange one because, as you say, the, the majority of the side at least in those key central positions, are the same players. They've been in and around it for, you know, two or three seasons. Yet, especially against Sunderland, we did look like a side trying to learn how we wanted to play. Yeah. Um, even more so against Lincoln. And it, it may just be that we've kind of gone back to, you know, square one and we're, we're, we'll, you know, build into the season five, six, seven games in. It's obviously clicked a little bit better today. And um, we'll talk about it in a minute, but obviously Kelly... Sounds like he had a better game. He was involved in the the move for the first goal. Um, I think we're just having to learn how to play again. Um, we, we, we've shown Lincoln kind of put a stopper in how we want to play, so we, we do need to find something different. Um, yeah. I think Sunderland's one of those games you just have to write off because nothing kind of worked and we didn't look very almost up for it. It is that point. It frustrates me that a lot of people comment about, oh, we always start slowly. Well, when the majority of the players are, are well-known and the same, why on earth should we be starting slowly? I think things like Gorin missing are quite important for the structure of the team, but yeah. you should be able to sort of, a lot of the little partnerships should be able to function pretty quickly and no other teams talk about this issue, it seems, as much. Um, so no, I, it's, um, I do find it a, a weird one that we seem to be kind of, yeah, as Jack said, learning again when this stuff should be, pretty ingrained from the last season and a half the the interesting thing was if you i guarantee if you looked back at last season's average percentage it was probably over 60 percent maybe 65 ish for us and today it was 50 50 against being pretty frank was a really poor accrington side they were only really going to score from kind of set pieces um or mistakes from from ourselves i think today and that that was the thing of note. Like I think the game in general was was really good. It was great. You know, we we kind of skipped over the first half, but getting that goal just before half time, the fact that Taylor was involved, and then Henry obviously getting that the finish. He's had a pretty slow start to the season. That seemed to do the world of good for his confidence. He came out looking, albeit I still think he's not quite where he was last season, understandably so, but obviously that assist was sublime. It was <laughs> like Pompey away last season if in terms of like the quality of the ball through to his pal, um, Matty Taylor. And Jack, I guess that first, that, that finish from Matty Taylor, his first goal, our third, that was unbelievable, right? Yeah, if that was in the, you know, if that was on match of the day tonight, they'd be giving it 10 or 11 replays. Um, it's, it's quite unbelievable because he has so much or creates so much of his own time to chest it down and the turn in 
hit and keep it in under the crossbar was you know it's a goal well worthy of you know goal of the season type thing. You you can see thing- you can see the big centre back arch his neck towards the ball as if he thinks oh no, I should go and head that. And then realises it is just plumb where he can't go and head it. And then as you say, Taylor does amazing to make it look like he's got all the time in the world. Um, but it's it's the arc and the, the sort of flight of Henry's pass as well. It was just like majestic really. Yeah, it's not an easy finish that either to keep that down, which is, it's one of them that you can literally smash 100 metres in the air type of thing. So it's great technique from Taylor. The The only thing with it is that it goes against all of my moaning around the, the kind of long ball approach type thing because Sunderland and Accrington combined, we must have literally punted about 58 balls towards Taylor that were just, that he, he's got like a 20% chance of winning against, you know, big, strong centre-backs type thing. I think you, but, you make a good point yeah. about, you know, the, the punting and there were plenty of times, certainly in the, first 15 minutes of the second half where we weren't making the right calls. We weren't getting, we were sort of pushed back a bit. The ball was breaking on our sort of edge of our penalty box a bit further on. And then we were just punting it in Taylor's direction when a pass left or a pass right, push them back a bit would have been the more sensible option. That's what's missing at the moment or trying to play a fast counter attack down the wings. I think Henry's pass, I'm taking out of the punt <laughs> category. <laughs> I, 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 know, I know what you mean, but if, if a, if a centre-back gets his head on that, it's the same thing. And it may, maybe it's fine you play with the odds and like, if one in 10 of those comes off, fair enough. Um, but <laughs> this, is, I, I, this is what I was about to say, that just having watched the highlights, when, when Taylor takes his first touch and you pause the highlights... There isn't another Oxford player on the screen, and there's five. Yeah, exactly, there's yeah. five Accrington players. So yeah, I mean, great finish. We got the goal. You know, you take that every day. But equally, we could have been reflected on that. Going, oh, do you remember that ball Henry played where Taylor touched it down, and there was no one anywhere near him. Um, so it is an issue with our play. Luckily, Taylor has the ability to pull something like that out of the bag, but he's not going to do that every week. No, and John, you make a good point there because. I remember taking a note of the fact that when we were 1-0 up, we always said that, you know, Accrington might, it looks like they may well get a goal in this game, be it that we weren't retaining possession particularly well. And we had opportunities to counter, right, where they had um, committed a load of people forward. We managed to kind of work the ball into the, towards the middle of the park. And we had kind of even numbers, like, on them to get the counter away. But the decision-making and the kind of hot potato panic was there. And it's weird to kind of talk negatively when we've just come off the back of a 4-1 win. But the kind of in the context of that game where we were, you know, Eastwood comes out and decides he wants to up a, up a cut <laughs> um, a player when there's no need to come out for that cross whatsoever, by the way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, just on that. Jack, have you watched that back? Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you got any thoughts on that? Because I, I, I'd read the kind of, you know, the text version on Twitter, Eastwood comes for a cross, lays out the centre-back instead. And I thought, oh, maybe it was kind of the edge of the six-yard box and he just misjudged it. But actually, no, it's kind of almost the edge of the penalty box entirely. I don't yeah, know wh- that's the thing. why. In fact, it's not too dissimilar to, was it a goal at Accrington last year or the year before? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where he came, didn't really get there and they eventually scored. I mean, 
the funniest thing about that goal is that the ref didn't give a penalty first time. <laughs> yeah. Well, the referee just we were talking about this before, but looked he was very close to it. Gave the whole dramatic not a penalty hand motion, and then all the Accrington players were like, "You what, pal?" And then he was like, "Oh yeah, shit. All right, have a pen." Is a really straight. He kind of pretended he looked over to the lino to then, who obviously would have had a much poorer view. Gave it one all, but John, just back to the point I was making before I got distracted by the punch, <laughs> is um, we we had a load of opportunities to counter and bring the ball ball out, keep a bit of possession, be a bit more patient with our play if we didn't want to counter. But we again we just hit, kept hitting their centre backs when we were trying to find Taylor and rushing it. And then the ball just kept coming back. Yeah, but it's I've kind of people have forgotten about it all because we've had that climax to the game. Yeah, but, well, we yeah. we played into their into their hands because they were doing what I describe as a classic League Two tactic, which was just getting into those positions and then just sort of knocking fairly aimless balls. Sometimes the third centre back just kind of crossing from deep into the area, and that's the sort of thing that over time, eventually one of them will come off. And it looked like it, it could even do that around that sort of time. And the reason was, as you say, because we weren't making the right calls when we did get the ball back and sort of trying to push them back and build up possession. But um, I remember the penalty, I was like thinking, God, the Accrington players are protesting en masse so well <laughs> that this, yeah, it's very good. this has got to be a, you know, this is going to get turned into a penalty. And because I'd sort of somehow lost the fact that Eastwood had done an uppercut and just taken the guy out. <laughs> Some of my brain was like, they're just, they've bought a penalty there. They've pressured the ref. And I was like, no, no, they've pressured him for very legitimate, fair reasons. <laughs> that it was a travesty for it to not be given as a penalty. It was just bizarre that the ref didn't take a bit of time to give it. But he got, I don't know. He got, anyway. he got better with his decision making, well, or not. <laughs> um, Eastwood actually had. A few more flappers um, after that from a couple of corners as well, um, and in one of those, I think that was where the the Accrington player got sent off. But how about this for a reaction in that they score the penalty and what are we talking? Literally, like a minute later, maybe two minutes later, we go down the other end, um, kind of lofted ball over the top, and um, Cooper gets the ball on the left hand side, cuts in. He he came on. Who did he come on for? I don't even remember now. Adji was still on the pitch, wasn't he? I don't remember. That's a good question. I think it might it might have been Adji. Anyway, well, he was over that side of the pitch, but he looked really positive. His kind of influence on the game was there to see for the remainder as well. But he cut in, had a go, ball eventually kind of ricochets off Brannigan. But that was Jack looking at that. You know, that happens once a season, right? If that. The immediate Lucky. response, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah. The, the whole, the whole move is quite kind of um, unique in that the ball comes to Cooper because Taylor tries this audacious flick and it kind of flicks off his boot and ends up at Cooper's feet. But then, yeah, for the, the way the ball ends up in the net, you know, you know, it's your day when that happens. Yeah, and Nick Harris was saying like post match, we scored at the right times today. Like went into half time just scoring, and then as soon as they got the equaliser, we bang, we're back in front again. And then, as I just mentioned, Charles uh, got sent off for Accrington. Then just like a couple of minutes after that, I don't think anyone really has a clue why. 
Um, K- probably KR, the ref. KR mentioned some chat about a supposed stamp on the neck, and but then Chaos they then followed up by saying, but Brannigan said, well, he didn't stamp on my neck, and I think Brannigan was the one on the floor. So it just seemed like a melee where, yeah, inevitably the goalkeeper was going to get kicked in the face or whatever because everyone's going for the ball. So, um, but whether they can rescind it, I, d- I doubt it. But yeah, just to, who knows? Just to bizarre. But I think Cooper's got a shout for, I mean, I thought Adji did, I think that was one of Adji's best performances when he started. And I know he hasn't started many games, but I think Cooper came on and, you know, showed what we sort of needed to a degree. I don't think he's, he's not absolutely rapid, but he dribbling looks, looks really good. And I think he's, he's got to have a good shout for starting the next game. I'd, I'd yeah. Adji's got that kind of tag as being that kind of dynamic super sub. And, he did look extremely leggy going into the second half where that kind of, you know, when we reference like the inability to counter, you you kind of felt that he has that pace, but he was knackered. And we definitely said that he was, he was looking tired. Um, So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the front three is mixed up as players come back into fitness. Um, Did you feel Rob Hall did well, John? Again, you you know, not a player that's necessarily going to last ninety minutes, but for the first half, he was pretty tidy. He's got a good set piece delivery. He was he was effective. I thought his set pieces were, were very good, um, and generally he sort of got put himself about it. There were a couple of moments where he sort of did the right thing that you'd expect from a winger in terms of knocking it past a player or cutting round a player, but then not quite getting back to the ball once he'd moved it on, which. I think the Rob Hall of, of old would have grabbed and then motored on. Um, but I think he's he firmly seems to be an option that's very viable for some games. But I think I said to you, there's no way he's going to last 70 minutes. And a minute later at 60, the board came up. So it's, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't feel like he's massively viable still, which is, which is, you know, hate to say, as we've said on countless occasions. Yeah. And, the centre backs had a bang tidy game. I think it's fair to say. Didn't Steve Kenneborough when we put the poll out for man of the match? I think Ford won it by a landslide with I don't know how many votes there were, hundred or so. But um, Mr. Kenneborough was saying Elliot Moore, and to be fair, I thought both Moore and Atkinson had tremendous games. Um, what do you reckon? There's a partnership, absolutely, um, and more, more certainly, kind of was a bit more imposing as well. It was nice to get see him getting a bit fired up when um feisty, yeah, when the feisty. striker kind of um threw an elbow in, which was nice to see. I mean I think he's just a he's not as he's just a quite sort of refined character. I don't think he's timid whatsoever. It's just um how people come across. But no, I thought Miss you know, Steve Kinnever's shout was was good was a good point on that as well. But for me it was for comfortably. I think he was the the balance between sort of solid structural defensive work and actually making the right balls to kind of move us around and kind of get the ball around the pitch as well. Yeah, Jack, it's a good sign, isn't it, that those, at least the two in the middle are building that partnership because I think on paper, when you look at like the depth of the squad and you look at the defence, it's still kind of the biggest concern that we we probably have, right? Yeah, definitely. The You know, the, there's still a need for another body they say Moose's injury isn't as bad as first feared, but I think we were saying even before that we needed another body. But it's quite refreshing to hear that the more Atkinson partnership is building because after the Lincoln game, for example, um, 
that was one thing that Steve Kinnebrew did pick out, that actually they didn't look like a partnership at all. So if only two games later we're now kind of looking yeah. positive, it shows they're learning together, which is, you know, only good for the side. It's huge for Atkinson as well, isn't it? Given that he very nearly could have had a three-match ban and instead he's kind of come off a tough match to to put in a, a really good performance. So Yeah, it might, it, might, it might be one of those strange things in football where he could have been looking at, as you say, three games out and being a bit of a, you know, um, villain, but actually he's got his run in the side and, you know, he's starting to shine a little bit. The thing is with these two centre-backs, they're both, what, early 20s? They've played about 30 games between them at this level. Yeah. Um, we can't expect them to be, you know, the kind of dicky, um, style-esque player yet. They're, they're both learning, but if the partnership is growing, that's only going to benefit both of them. You've got to think about that Moose-Dicky partnership the season before last. It was a bit up and down and, and all over. And I mean, a better class of opposition will test those two significantly. I mean, you know, we we often forget to talk about the opposition when we review in these games, which we didn't do much, which, you know, Sunderland deserve their credit. But Accrington were woeful. And I, I don't understand how they managed to beat Peterborough as much as I enjoyed Operation Vengeance uh, taking a hit, <laughs> which it took another one today, which we'll talk about in the uh, sort of League One chat. But... I, yeah, I think it was a good game for them to go, actually, this is just a physical battle. We're not going to be up against a striker that's going to sort of technically have a have a problem with this. It's just going to be about winning every every header and every ball. I can't believe they beat Peterborough 2-0 after watching that game. I just don't... Like you say, it's crazy. There's just, there, was, there was no creativity. It was a proper, like, we'll just, we'll just load the box. It was kind of Lincoln of old type tactics. Yeah. Um, so, man of the match, Anthony Ford also set up the the final goal. Really, he had a lot of time to kind of pick out a cross, but it was a fantastic cross. And then um, Taylor, Fox in the box, right place, right time. Keeping early saves it, but kind of dribbles under him. The, the glee on his face, on Taylor's face, was just amazing. Like He obviously <laughs> knew what he was intending to do, but it was just a, like, uh, yeah, I've just done that. <laughs> you know, I'm, it was it was amazing. You can see, um, I might be looking too much into it, but for our first goal, when Henry scores, Taylor kind of, there's a few players that kind of run steaming in towards Henry to celebrate and Taylor looks a bit disgruntled and he, he's just probably because he's that goal scorer, he, he needs to get in and amongst the goals with three games in. And yeah, those two goals, he's now got two in, two in three league games and that's going to, you know, that's going to be fantastic for him going in to the next kind of run of games, I guess. But Jack, do you reckon 20 goals this season from him? I think you've got to say, say he's got a chance of doing it. Um, if he can stay fit, you know, if he can pull out goals like he did today from essentially nothing, um, yeah. then he's always got a chance. It's quite funny as well, because I think John Coleman said something along the lines of, oh, Matty Taylor wasn't really in the game, but he's come away with two goals and that shows what a good striker he is. And that's, you know, a pretty good summary of the player. I absolutely agree with that. And we were saying when watching it today, and again, I know we've made this point before, but not so much a target man, not so much a pace demon who's going to spin off defenders um, like on the back line. And so he kind of needs those players in and around him. But he's he's kind of proven today that, yeah, the second goal that he scored was more aligned to what you expect from him, like right place, right time. But that his first is just, you know, unbelievable. Um, his movement to like 
pull off the defender and that finish just amazing so let's hope that let's hope he stays fit and then it's going to be really interesting when Winnell is lurking around as well um you've got to think if we don't have you know we're out of the league cup the FA cup will be a thing when does that when does the FA cup actually kick off the November time yeah so there'll be some cup games there potentially and the tin pot surprise trophy so there's going to be games there um to get involved with but it's still going to be interesting if winnell's fit as to as to what we do but we'll have to wait and see it's all hypothetical nonsense at this stage um kind of the only other player john that we haven't really mentioned is liam kelly i thought he had a really good game as well in the center of the park yeah you saw what a lot more of what we were expecting to see from him which was more dictating and actually Drop, not just sort of dropping off and moving sideways as we saw against Sunderland and, and Lincoln, but actually just starting to sort of run run the play a bit more and um, and allow us to move Accrington from side to side a bit more, which we weren't doing against Sunderland whatsoever. It was very static in the midfield. I still think at times our midfield seems to be sort of too free-flowing. You, you often think you, the structure isn't quite there, but um, which is fine if we're sort of on it and, and actually playing well but sometimes it seems a bit more sort of unstructured but I think him further forward with Gorin him in front of Gorin I think could be quite exciting yeah yeah for sure who would that mean though that's going to drop out of that midfield I suppose it's probably Henry moving back further up the pitch and then Kelly sitting with Ford if if Ford we're assuming Ford's going to keep his place on the back of that performance yeah um, when's Gorin back in I think we know a couple of weeks I think at at least, um, I think it, it seems like they're comfortable with it at the moment. But Kelly's, it's not Kat Kelly's natural position, sort of one eye looking backwards, one eye looking looking forwards. Yeah. So, um, after the game, KR was pretty giddy in his his post match reaction. It was it was nice to hear. He he specifically called out Kelly and Anthony Ford, um, as per what we kind of talked about as well. He said the most pleasing thing was our reactions to kind of when we gave the ball away. Um, and he said our DNA was about working hard. If you make a mistake, rectify it with your reaction. And I, I think I get where he's coming from there because if you if you look at the Sunderland game, the kind of most frustrating thing was the the kind of passion, the body language, the the drive to kind of get a result. It The performance didn't really suggest that anyone had the fire in their belly but today it felt like a really positive reaction and I guess Jack that's only you know music to our ears as we go into you know a few games that where there's some winnable ones there starting with crew next time out yeah well that that comment by KR is essentially the flip reverse of what he said last week so um whatever they've done in training however they discussed it how they reviewed the Sunderland game has worked and as you say with the run of fixtures to come it, it is another kind of level to build on yeah, for sure. Did did anyone see what John Coleman said? Because he was pissed off after the game. Seemed to be abusing the ref a little bit, but he didn't look like a happy man. Has anyone seen what he said? Um, he, his radio interview was a bit more calm. He essentially said he didn't think it was a 4-1 game. Um, yeah. Frustrated at the timing of our goals, especially you know just before half-time and just after them having got back in it. Um not sure on a red card, but I don't think anyone's sure on the red card, even though you've looked at it five or six times. And like I said earlier, he was just so annoyed to see Matty Taylor score twice, even though he thought they'd kind of shackled him quite well. 
I think that's a very fair reaction <laughs> to the game, to be fair. Matty, again, Matty Taylor wasn't really in the game as per what we talked about, but yeah, signs of a good striker, as we said. Um, right, what else happened across League One today? I haven't had that much time. I saw a crew picked up a 2-0 win, their first win of the season, at home to Milton Keynes, who was struggling, and obviously that's who we're playing next time out. Sorry if I've stolen any thunder there for the crew preview. John. No, I'll, I'll just about try and link back to it, I reckon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the... Um, I think Ipswich is an interesting result because I kind of thought they're going to be in a... Because they were their fans were very annoyed with them at the end of last season. They were really sort of struggling along, still got the sort of Lambert on a massive contract issues, and yet they've won their first three, which is encouraging. I mean, the Wigan result is is amazing, really. I mean, I had a quick look at the lineup, and all right, I don't know as many League One players as I used to, but I barely recognise any of their players at all because it is a... You know, it's a shell given how many players have gone out and that's just an insane result. They were 2-0 up as well, weren't they? Portsmouth pulled one back in the 89th minute, so unreal. Absolutely. Uh, I think and then, Wimbledon winning at Fleetwood is a standout yeah. result because Fleetwood don't lose many at home and especially not to someone who doesn't try and play football like Wimbledon. Yeah, that's that stands out. And then Sunderland were playing Operation Vengeance or whatever at home. Ledbitter got a penalty late on to to win that. Peterborough not doing well either, are they? They they picked up one win, I think. So yeah, not I as was, bad as Pompey, but I was just thinking, are they at the bottom of the league? Because and then like, no, they're nineteenth um, with a with one win. Um, Leapfrogged them. The window's still open though, so I'm sure they can uh, splash some cash. I don't think they've massively spent much of the Tony money anyway. Has Tony? Um, Done well in the championship yet? Has he scored? He scored I think today. He today. Yeah, yeah, that's his first goal. Okay. Um, we're exactly mid-table if anyone's interested. 12th <laughs> place. There you go. Um, right, crew, next time out, John. What are we looking at? Well, I was... Um, so I got the crew, crew preview down and started having a look at it and I thought, hang on a minute, it doesn't seem like we've ever really played crew in, in recent times or ever. So I had to look back into the history and we've only played them 17 times in our entire history. And they've, despite their sort of good reputation for bringing players through and, and that sort of thing, they've, they've never been high, as high as Division 2 until sort of 1994, um, which I thought was really quite surprising. So we played them a lot, a few times in the sort of late 90s and those sort of promotion winning seasons and in the sort of 96 and that sort of time. Um, but they've generally always been either one league above or below us, um, to, even to the point where they got promoted into League One in 2012 and then got relegated into, into League Two in 2016 when we came up. So the, yeah. la- so the last time we actually played them was 2012 and their current manager, David Artell, who was that centre-back, which I don't know whether you guys remember him much, but I always felt like he, he was always playing against Oxford <laughs> when we were in like League Two a lot for like, Mansfield, Shrewsbury, Rotherham, all those sort of teams. Um, but we lost that game in 2012. It was that kind of Dewberry, um wing, kind of a few of the 2010 guys sort of team. Um, but the last time we played at Gresty Road was 2011. But I've never been to Gresty Road. It's one on, one on my list. Jack, have you been? Or have none of us? No, I've been? not, which is mad considering it's an easy train ride from Derby. But I've, yeah, I've never got there, which shows yeah. that we don't play them very often, really. Yeah, yeah. I was ho- I'm hoping to get there this season. I think. 
yeah is it later is it back end of the year or yeah. sort of time so um so yeah so no i just thought it was just weird they didn't seem to have ever replayed them much um but in terms of them as a team i mean they've summer signings wise that they've not sort of really pushed the boat out all five players in and send some younger players are sort of all free transfers um zanzana and mandron brought in on a free um Omar Beckles is playing for them and he was the one that was linked to us and in yeah. in quotation marks. I don't think he ever was. He was just one of those. He was one of those, who's that guy in the picture? Um, searches. <laughs> he looks like, like Napper. Yeah, looks like Napper searches that did the rounds on social media for a, a couple of hours and then turned out probably not to be him because he's he signed for them. So um, yeah, they've not sort of pushed the bat on that perspective. Um, I mean, they came up from League Two last season I mean they were ahead of Swindon on points but finished second due to PPG and you know they've they've kept a lot of their core which um we'll talk about in a sec but I mean as, as yeah as we talked about the results today lost to um sorry beat Milton Keynes at home with um with Carlton Morris up front is it you Jack that's got a bone about Carlton Morris that he's had about 20 loan clubs or something like that or am I making that up yeah, there's probably something in there. I can probably link it back to Steve Evans somewhere else, but yeah. we'll, we'll leave that for now. Yeah, fair enough. Is he the player? Did he used to play for yeah. Norwich or West Ham? Which oh, yeah, he's still contracted to Norwich That's about it, six yeah. years after his. Oh, yeah. Okay, he's one and of he those. Obviously, he... he obviously had the spell with us for four or five games and did did absolutely nothing. Um, so yeah, I mean they they've not had the best of best of start. You know they were twenty third and now now fifteenth um, as we were, but. So squad players, a um, couple of, well, I wouldn't call them celebrity players, but they've got um, Jussi Jaskalainen's son as in goal, in goal <laughs> William Jaskalainen. Um, oh, William, okay. Which I'm sure will be uh, be noted. Um, we've got a player called Josh Lundstrom um, in their play, in their team who um, I can't find anything to say that he's related to, to John, but you never know. Um <laughs> But anyway, speculation. I like it. Yeah, just just looking at a list of players and going, hang on a minute. There's there's two. Things he up. might be related <laughs> to an ex-player. Come come for the uh, come for the expert preview. Stay for the uh, celebrity. Link. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean their team. They've, they've kept a lot of the League Two team. Um, the right back Perry Ungi Ng is supposed to be pretty highly rated. He was in the League Two team of the year, along with Charlie Kirk on the left-hand side. Um, I think that left-hand side will be the danger area. The the left-back, Harry Pickering's created quite a few chances in the last two games I've been looking at, but they don't have a ton of experience in the team. So whether they're sort of trying to play a lot how they were in League Two is is a possible issue. But sort of formation-wise, they're kind of a 4-3-3 or 4-5-1, whichever way you look at it, which they played a lot in League Two. I was having a read about, so I don't think they're going to be a Lincoln in the way they play. I think they'll they they talk about how they'll some of the fans about how they they like to press high up the pitch. So I think there'll be space, and I think it'll be be open. You know how much they'll sort of do that away from home is is unclear, but ultimately I think this is a for me this is a very winnable home game, and it's one of those like today that if we are serious about promotion, we we should be taking a result from, but. Well, where do you guys stand prediction-wise? Um, I think weren't their f- first two games? It was Charlton and Hull, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, it's a tough, toughish teams, I suppose. And then they've won the game where you'd think they'd have a 
a good chance of winning. I think it's really hard to tell, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I, I think you've got to hope that we're getting a win in this one. Um, but I'm not. But I can't base it off much more than what you just told me, John. I'm afraid. But I'm going I'm to go with. <laughs> it's, kind of, um, it's kind of the point. <laughs> I'm going to go with a, a two nil victory. Um, Matty Taylor brace yet again. Jack. Yeah. Um. It, it's quite hard to tell how they'll approach it because, as you say, they've got such a young side. Um. They might have a bit of that kind of no fear approach to the game, but equally. Um, they could well just be happy with a point. Saying that, I think we'll we will kick on now. I think this season will probably follow last season in the kind of win four, lose a couple, win four, lose a couple. So I think we'll win three nil next week. Oh. Do you know what's interesting though? Our centre, like I'm interested to see how our fullbacks deal with wingers. Yeah. Um, when you get some proper wingers up against them, I, I still have views on. Sab Long's capability in general. Um, Ruffles is, you know, still out and the jury's out on Claire and it will be for the foreseeable. So it's going to be really interesting when we actually come up against the team. You know, with Sunderland, they had a bit of experience. They had my favourite guy, Luke 9 for example, plodding on from right back <laughs> who caused no end of issues for us. But when you actually get some out-and-out wingers with that pace and you've got centre-backs coming across to try and cover... Like we haven't really had to deal with any of that stuff yet, so yeah, it'll be interesting coming up against the team playing four three three with a lot of width to see how we actually cope with it. Yeah, I think they they almost played. A, I think they're reading back as well. They played a lot of four five one in League Two, even with the ball. So I think they'll be good down the flanks, and then it's the kind of big striker in the middle that sort of tries to knit it all together. So, but I, I'm I'm with I'm with Jack. I think we'll kick on. Um, you know, we can use the width of the pitch and um, I think we'll be a comfortable victory, yeah, 2-0 and probably not concede either as long as we don't sort of come to any more injuries or or issues um, during the week. But yeah, I think 2-0. Nice. Right, well, that's positive. That's another win. Looking good. Um, We haven't really mentioned the fans forum which happened earlier in the week. Tiger was chatting with Jerome about stuff. Jack, did you listen into that? Anything stand out for you? I think he was saying that he should be able to cover us in terms of getting through COVID in general. But um, someone asked a question about, you know, buy as many iPhone. Should we buy iFollow passes? How can we help the club? And he was saying, yes, please give us some money. Yeah, his his words kind of echoed those of Tim Davies in the Accrington preview show. So yeah, um, we're in an all right place with the board's, you know, support. Um, I follow, we do get 100% of the £10 now, never used to in previous seasons. Yeah. Um, there wasn't, probably the thing of note, which has probably been missed because, you know, it's such a short five-minute fans forum, um, was a comment about if we had got promoted, the plans were there for a fourth stand. Now, digging into this a little bit and talking to a few people, Allegedly, there's something within our kind of license to play at the ground that unlocks if we get back to the championship level. Um, so probably overly legally complicated and all that kind of thing. But <laughs> it was just an interesting kind of throwaway comment from Tiger. Yeah. Do you think that's meaning a, just a, a sort of a temporary stand? Uh, yeah. That, that, I, that's not tying us to stay at the Kassam for the foreseeable... No, I, I imagine it was a form of structure, perhaps like Gillingham's golf stand, but better. 
<laughs> it's really like, I mean, for Tiger to be so bold and confident that we will, I mean, survive is obviously, you know, that's a strong word, but to not sort of even hint at financial challenge or hardship, because I mean, maybe the Baptiste and, and Fossey money is really going to come into its own this season for more of the club operations side of things. But, you know, we're not, we, we didn't make money last season, if I'm correct. Obviously, the revenue is going to relatively fall through the floor. Even if they were planning, even if they had a budget for no fans at all this season, that must have come with contingencies attached. They seem, I mean, yes, they might seem very confident the Premier League is going to step up to the plate. But, I mean, I think we're just very lucky that Tiger seems to be invested enough to say, actually, this is going to be my back pocket that takes the hit for the large majority of the extra costs if we don't have fans for you know, let's say four or five months minimum. It's It sort of struck me as to how how confident he was about, you know, we, we won't have any major challenges, whereas other clubs, you know, it really sounds like quite painful, quite imminently around the corner. I mean, he does have a wealthy little posse of friends, doesn't he? True. And you've got to wonder about, yes, um, what's his face for here? Isn't as involved now and he's had to step back because of other interests, but, you know... There's a lot of money among around Tiger as well, um, so you know I don't I don't uh, know, and I, I I always wonder whether it's kind of like a vanity project, or whether it's for you know for other reasons. You know he's a businessman, and it's, I just I've never been able to put my th- finger on which one of those types of things it is, and I don't know if that sounds really like disrespectful or anything, but no, I I know. I know what you mean. I'm. I've always been a touch sceptical, and I, I am with any owner, to be fair, but the the thing that's just entered my mind in the last couple of days since he kind of said, oh, we should be all right, is eventually when he moves on and sells up, does that pot of X many million that he's ploughed in now, does that stay as our debts as he write it off? Are we forever stuck yeah. with it kind of thing? I, I you, you know, you can obsess over the numbers and what may lay ahead, Um the positivity is that the club don't seem too concerned, as John said, in relation to other clubs. Wasn't there a thing about the loans that the club currently had in place? Like we would only have to pay back at the point of getting into the Premier League, although there was some weird criteria that we've definitely talked about on the pod. Yeah, that was one. Previously. That was one criteria. I don't. It can't have been the main one, or else we're really in a good place. <laughs> um, yeah. But. I mean, we talked about it a bit on the radio earlier, but I mean, what James, what do you what do you think about the Premier League sort of support thing? Because it it seem it has a feeling of a done deal in some form, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know whether it's well. Tim Davis on the preview show thing said that within two to three weeks, that Premier League rescue package should be coming in, as if it was a done deal. So. It's just in what form is that? Like, is it, are they all loans? Is there some goodwill in there? How is that all going to work? Like, the details will be interesting. Things, cause if it's loans, then all that does, even if it's like, like was announced um, by Rishi Sunak the other day that they're extending the loan period, repayment periods on some of the sort of business supporting loans. Even if it's loans from the Premier League that says, right, you don't need to pay us back for 10 years. That just sort of, kicks the can proverbially and we know that it will take a few years for the salary cap in league one and league two to kind of 
settle down and probably get a better grip on clubs' finances, especially if they can make more revenue and not be able to spend it on wages and, and players. Yeah. But, but I just sort of don't. It's sort of the I can't see the Premier League doing a pure goodwill type thing. And if it's advancing money, then that's what's happened already to get through the end of last season. So there's got to be something in it that the Premier League doesn't just sort of simply go right. Here's here's your get out free jail card, um, and we'll sort of take the good PR and the goodwill from it because yeah, we ultimately do realise you need to exist, even though at times we don't seem that bothered. Yeah, I think. I just th- Sorry, Stevie Kinnebrough hit the nail on the head on the Radio Oxford um, post-match show. He said, you know, it's all, you know, good and proper saying, oh, yeah, the Premier League needs to support. But actually, there's a lot of other bodies involved in the kind of governance of football. You've got the FA, you've got the EFL, you've got the PFA. Um, and he said something along the lines of, why can't all these four or five bodies come and sit together as a bo- as a one joined up body and say, okay, we can get some money from you guys, some money from you guys, that equals out at X amount per club. Whereas it just feels a li- little bit that the EFL are just hoping the Premier League kind of throw some money at it. Um, well, sadly, personally, I think... it should be more joined up, I think. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with the, the theory of that. I think, sadly, in a way, you know, it's only so much you can read and draw on, but you, you get the sense of the politics between some of those organisations are pretty toxic about certain issues the salary yeah, cap between sure. yeah. the salary cap between the EFL and the PFA is, is certainly top on that that thing but yeah if you think about anything about coming together to come up with a solution is is absolutely what should be happening I think the EFL is not sort of owning this and either there's a case of like you say and, and Tim Davies mentioned it that something is already kind of coming down the track therefore yeah nobody can position themselves as being the white and shining armor when they already know who the knight in shining armor is, um, but it's it's certainly I just don't see it as being as straight straight sort of. There's so many moving parts. I don't, I can I can have respect for the Premier League for wanting some some form of guarantees about what the future looks like. Yeah, it's worth um, reiterating that the club gets 100 percent of the I follow revenue, especially for home games now, and then any. What for any away game where um, we kind of sell more I follow passes than our expected allocation, it looks like all of that money will go to Oxford as well. I'll be interested to see how they're working that out, whether it's based on previous away attendances or an average attendance or something like that. But we'll have to see. Um, other ways we can help the club buying merchandise. Jack, the away shirt is they've sold out of mediums and I can't buy one now, and I feel really bitter. The third I- kit. I bought Fair my kit, yeah. I bought my lockdown large um, <laughs> size, so I've thrown some money money at it. Yeah, it, it did seem weird that I know it's a limited edition, but to sell out of sizes within what three four hours that's very limited edition. So limited, I'm sad. I actually I don't really want the orange one for reasons that we've talked about before. <laughs> I'm not don't want the yellow one. I want the white one. So if anyone from the club is listening, please, can I have a medium white shirt and I'll give you money. Thank you. Um, other things from the fans forum, they talked about how we wanted to get three or four young players out on loan to the National League, but because all of their dates are up in the air about when they're going to start the season, that's you know put that to bed for now. You, you think Nico Jones and others will be involved in that? Um, 
they talked about further transfers. There's money available to spend. And there's some potential incomings. I think we we kind of know the the positions that they're probably coming in on, um, coming in soon. As you mentioned, kind of the the stadium stuff was chatted about. Did you like? Did you like that Tiger said his thing about it was, it was definitely planned? He knew the question was coming about the Swindon game because <laughs> okay. he he had that great joke to say, "I'll watch it at home with the family." There are seven of us, and so maybe we'll sit seven in a row. And it was great. I did like that he <laughs> said he did say he was going to um, get his mum to watch it as well because it was such a big game. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she is well into her Oxford Swindon rivalry. Absolutely, it's huge. Uh, it's going to be strange, that isn't it? There's not going to be fans there. It's going to be a really, really weird encounter. I wonder if, like, the fans are just going to have to start taking to chucking. Twitter hurlers at one another to try and feel that rivalry. Who knows? Um, anything else from the preview show? I don't think there was that much else that came out. Um, Gary Bloom actually did say some really good words around kind of mental health and stuff as well. Um, you know, about people needing to look after themselves and that type of thing um, and how football presents that kind of escapism and, you know, use that but if you need help make sure you're kind of reaching out at the relevant times to the relevant people if you have to talk to your gp or whatever it was very it was touching i thought it was it was good words there um and he he speaks a lot of sense that man um next fixtures john looking at that we've got um obviously crew but then it's a very busy month in october um i guess it's the league is kind of panning out very very slowly in a really strange way but I think it takes a few games, doesn't it, before we have to start worrying about that. But obviously Swindon, end of October. Um, after Crew, we've got Bristol Rovers, who we never have a good time against. But that's in the tin pot surprise, isn't it? it is. Yeah, that, that yeah. is, yeah. And then Gillingham, I mean, they must still be a work in progress from given how many players they've signed. Um, I won't attempt to do any Steve Evans type um, quotes because <laughs> just wind jack up. Um Peterborough, you know, might be might be like last season. Good time to play them if they're uh, in um, slight disarray. And then Milton Keynes Dons should be eminently beatable. Swindon, that's a guarantee. So, you know, we <laughs> should be getting should be getting a good string of points from these games. It's not going to be straight four or five games. I mean, I think as we've talked about on this pod, there's still issues to iron out. But a nice set of games to sort of build some momentum on. I think we've got Charlton at the end of the month and Jack. Like the, what type of situation? Are they, they're not in like a Wigan type situation. They've got some new, interesting owner, haven't they? Yeah. The so <laughs> they've just been taken over by I think he's a Scandinavian and he loves his rock music and he looks really quirky. Um, but yeah, they're now out of the hands <laughs> of the really strange owners they had previously. They don't they don't do kind of normal owners at Charlton, I don't think. But um, his first action was to sign Ben Watson. Um, the central midfielder used to play for Wigan and Palace, so they they they've built a little decent side at Charlton. So that'll be a, te- a test on a Tuesday night. Decent. And then we round a month off at Fleetwood, so we can just write that off. I heard um, the new owner talking on, I think it was Five Live, and he was saying that they're leasing the training ground and the stadium from the the previous owners, and it's, it reminded me of something. Um, <laughs> but he said it was all done in you know they they got a, a sensible agreement there and it was the right thing for the club but yeah hopefully that doesn't 
they've had i think their fans and that club have been for enough recently so hopefully this is a nice settling time for them nick harris was calling kasam out on the radio in the pre-match um show. Yeah, yeah like you know don't think we should be paying any rent and i was like god nick i don't think he's listening but you know you'd you'd take, you'd, you'd take him if he uh called you out and had to square off in the kasam car park <laughs> Um, right, I think we're about done. Um, it's worth noting there's a few people doing very good things. Um, Oxford fans doing things for fundraising and stuff. So Grundy Oxford is running a marathon for every Oxford Lee victory this season to raise money for Sobel House. Um, so that's quite close to my heart. My dad was at Sobel House before he passed away, but they do amazing things there. Um, so check out Grundy Oxford on Twitter and please um, look at that. That's ridiculous. Jack, are you going to be doing, you do a bit of running. Can you do a, a marathon every day? Uh, no, I might do a marathon across the season. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but that, that, that is very impressive. In 100 meter increments. I like it. Yeah, fair play to the guy. Uh, let's hope he runs many a marathon this year. Um and then fantastic Mr. Ox as well, who walked the the Thames path, which is 266 miles. And I, I had to look into it um, earlier in the week to actually see how, you know, what that actual route looks like. I've never actually bothered looking at how, where the Thames runs and how far it is, et cetera, et cetera. But amazing stuff from him, um, raising money for the Oxford Transplant um, Foundation. I know that's very close to his heart by the looks of it. Um, but yeah, please check out their Twitter handles for details of their fundraising pages and stuff um, and give them all the support you can. Um, as well as obviously buying your merchandise from the club shop. There we go. Right, chaps, anything of note before we, we sign off and enjoy our Saturday night? Is Blind Date on and Gladiators? Maybe Family Fortunes and Catchphrase? None of that? Uh, unlikely, I imagine. Unlikely. That's a shame. So- that's what Saturday, Saturday nights used to be made for that gladiators with John Fashionu and Eureka Johnson now we're just now go. we're just waiting for Quest yeah that's true it's decent though Quest I like yeah. Colin Murray mm. so there you go I'll definitely be watching that right cheers we'll be back probably after the um, crew game next week and in the meantime everyone have a lovely week and we'll see you later cheers mm-hmm.